Amen. We're praising God in the backyard, and I know you are at home as well. Right now, I want to invite our candidates for baptism to come forward. Mr. Harvey, Miss Maria, and Miss Jen. And uh, we are going to get set up over here. So bear with us for the camera to switch, and let's start celebrating. Just to add another element of uh, excitement, you know, we're, we're also social distancing back here. So we're not going to social distance, so we'll wear a mask. Uh, but Harvey, why don't you go ahead and step in, brother? And then you can sit all the way down. I'm not going to lie, guys. This feels real. <laughs> and you can just turn a little bit this way just so I can get you down. That's good right there. That's perfect. Perfect. Oh, don't worry. We'll get, we'll make sure everybody can see. I won't go till everybody can see. Jacob, you good for the internet stream? Okay. Everybody's good here? All right. Um, I'm going to turn and hand this to Mike, Micah. So if I, if I start baptizing him with the microphone, you guys remind me. <laughs> um, Harvey, it's glad to have you here, brother. I know we've had conversations Woo! about um, your relationship with God, but I just want to ask you now in front of all of these witnesses, is it your desire today to pronounce Jesus as your Savior and Lord and follow him in believer's baptism? Yes, absolutely. Amen. Well, then, upon your public profession of faith in Christ, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So I thought it might be a little cold, but it actually feels really good. Okay. All right, Maria. Is it, looking good, is it your desire today to pronounce Jesus as your Savior and Lord and to follow him in the act of believer's baptism? Yes, I do. Amen. Well, then, upon your public profession of faith in Christ, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jen reminded me the other day in the center that it's been about a year since she became a friend of Queen's Church, and it has been such a joy for me to see all three of these grow and blossom in their faith in Christ, and especially Jen. So Jen, is it your desire today, in front of all of these witnesses, to pronounce Jesus as your Savior and Lord and to follow him in believer's baptism? Yes, absolutely. Woo! Well then, Jen, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, as you guys celebrate there on the chat, and uh, as you guys celebrate there on the chat, and get ready to worship some more. We're going to go change our clothes. Uh, worship team has some more songs ready for you. Um, so just make sure you throw in there some uh, hand claps. I know you didn't get to celebrate out loud with these new brothers and sisters in Christ, but they had a representation of our family here today. We are excited for their new life. And um, let's continue to worship God. Don't leave the stream now. In fact, share it because it's only going to get better from here on out.
Go ahead and uh, be seated uh, if you're at home. Uh, this is uh, not an intermission time. We're continuing working, right? Um, and so, man, such a cool thing to be able to experience. I know that uh, for so many churches, you know, it's been uh, a difficult journey over the past several months. Uh, I know for so many people of Queens and for all the churches around the area and the city, uh, it's been a difficult time. And so to, to even be able to worship uh, with a, a small crowd is a, a joy to have right now. And so... Um, read this psalm this morning, uh, and I wanted to read it to you. This is Psalm chapter 138. It says this, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. It's an interesting statement that David makes. He says, before the gods, I sing your praise. I don't think David is saying that he believes that there are actually uh, like multiple gods because we believe in the one true God. He doesn't have faith in those other gods. Uh, but he does understand that when it comes to people walking their ordinary lives, uh, we do put our worship into certain places and those things and those ideas, ideas and those ideologies, they, they turn place into our God. And so I love the fact that he says, before any other gods, uh, I'm going to praise you as the most high God. Uh, he says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness for you have exalted above all things your name and your word uh, I want to read verse 2 again I, I bow down toward your holy temple uh, David was in this moment right here where um, for whatever reason he was not able to go to the temple Right, and so he was at this moment to where he understood that that God's presence was in the temple, and he was unable physically to go to the temple. But so while he was physically distant from the temple, physically distant from God's presence, he knew that he wasn't spiritually distant. He says, "I bow down toward your holy temple." He put his gaze, he set his gaze towards God, knowing where His presence was. And says, "Even though I'm physically distant from this right now, uh, I'm going to bow down towards His direction." And so my hope for us is that's our prayer is that maybe we're physically distant from one another. We're physically distant from having a physical church service, right? Because uh, so many people are still watching at home. Uh, but that we can still set our gaze. We can still set our presence, our spirit towards God, understanding that we are now his temple, that no matter where it is that we worship, we get to set our gaze towards God. And David knew that, that he sings above any other praise, right? That he bows down towards the holy temple because God uh, is so steadfast in his love and so faithful. He goes on, one day I called and you answered me. My strength of my soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord for great is the glory of the Lord. Uh, and that's what we get to do this morning. We get to sing of the ways of God because of how great and how steadfast he is. And in moments of difficulty, in moments of trouble, we get to praise his name anyway uh, because of the fact that he is so good. And so we're going to sing a song right now called Nothing But Good. Uh, and that's the, the belief that we have of our God, that he is so good to us. Uh, and we're going to just kind of set our, our uh, attention on God's goodness this morning as we continue on in worship. Uh, let me pray for us and let's uh, prepare our hearts to receive the word that Pastor Larry is going to bring to us. Uh, let's continue on. Father God, we love you. Uh, we thank you for the fact that we get to celebrate life change today uh, in three lives today. God, you're moving uh, in this midst. You're moving in this place. You're moving in this church, and you're moving in your people. Uh, God, I'm so grateful that that um, they were willing to step forward in faith. They were willing to show people that they are uh, committing to following you and you alone, uh, and God, that we get to celebrate with them. Um, and God, right now we get to just declare that there is uh, nothing in this world that is as good as you. Uh, and God, that even in moments of trouble, moments of difficulty, you are nothing but good. And so let's sing this song out. Amen. Amen. 
Well, church, thank you so much for uh, hanging in there for those backyard baptisms. What a great celebration that was. I looked at the chat as I was uh, sitting down here right before I came up, and people were saying, welcome home to the family, uh, to you three people who are being baptized. So um, thank you so much, um, church, for pushing through and not falling off. I mean, it's been so exciting for me to see how involved our church has been over these past um, three, or three and a half or four months during uh, church at home. I know that it's not easy. Um, and as your pastor, I wish I could just make it easier for us to meet, at, meet in person. And um, we're working on that. We're working on getting in person soon. But thanks for having some endurance right now. Um, and uh, church, let's go right back into this goals series. The, today will be extra special because, you know, the, the sermon is actually going to talk about the adoption that we have as sons into the kingdom of God. Um, and what a great picture of that, um, to be celebrating that here with baptism. Um, so church, go ahead and go to Galatians chapter 4 in your Bibles. Galatians chapter 4. We won't have any um, any lyric or any scriptures on the screen today, so get it out of your uh, your Bible or grab your, um, grab your Bible app if you need to on your phone. And silence that phone and let's, uh, let's focus in on what the Holy Spirit has to say to us today. So Goals is a series about looking at the importance of relationships. I almost forgot. I actually have real live bodies to preach to today. So I'll just go back and forth if that's cool with you church at home people. Um, goals is about looking at the importance of relationships. So we've seen that in the beginning, God created everything and it was good. But there was one thing that was not good. And that was that man should not be alone. So God didn't only create for relationships with God and man, but he also created so that man would have relationships with one another, mankind, that is. Um, so that, throughout the series, we've been looking at the importance of how, how important it is to relate with God and how important it is to relate with one another. And we're seeing these first three weeks, today's the last week of how we relate to God, that our relationships with others, which we'll talk about starting next week, have to flow from our relationship with God. So when our relationship with God is not set, our relationship with others will always fail. So before, uh, we've talked about creation, we've talked about fall, and last week we talked about the restoration that God provides through his son Jesus, right? Sorry, we talked about the redemption that God provides through his son Jesus. Um, Steve is nodding, glad I fixed that one. Um, but listen, today as we talk about restoration, which is what happens after we've been redeemed, we have to understand that before we receive the rewards of restoration, we live in this reality of redemption, in other words, God doesn't just redeem us and take us straight away to be with him in heaven forever, right? We live with the rewards of this redemption. You know, the people of Israel before Jesus were enslaved to the law. I know many of you have heard this before. Um, for some of you, though, it may be still new to see that they were children of God, right? We are all children of God in that God created us all. However, their disobedience put them under the oppression of the law, right? So even though they were children of God, they were under the mastery of the law. And in the New Testament, right as the church was beginning to form and churches were being started around the region, the Apostle Paul would take time to write letters to different churches who were struggling with different things. And there was a faction that was rising up in the church at Galatia, which we'll study today. And the faction was by people who are Jewish who became followers of Jesus, 
And what they were doing was reimposing the law back on top of their new Gentile friends and their current Jews, Jewish friends. So the Judaizers had risen up in the church of Galatia and they were calling all these new Christians back under tyranny of the law. And what Paul was doing was discipling them and reminding them of their new status, that they are not any longer under the law, but they are now under God. You might hear the train going by. That's one of the beauties of backyard baptisms. We get to have the Amtrak train go by every once in a while. Um, so maybe that only distracts me and not you. Hopefully so. So that it is to that crowd that Paul pens this letter. Let's look now at Galatians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 7, okay? So there's these Judaizers who have risen up. They're telling new Christians, you have to follow the law still. And Paul is going to write to them and address this. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 say this. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, that means daddy, Abba, father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Amen. Have you ever watched one of those home improvement shows on HGTV or DIY Network or anything? Everyone's nodding here in person, which I have again. This is exciting. I've gotten so used to preaching to a camera, I'm going to have to get back to used to preaching to real people. Um, <laughs> Johnny's like, what? Steve goes, what? I'm not a real person? <laughs> They're usually in the room helping out. Um, but yeah, if you've ever watched one of those home improvement shows, you know um, the ones where like there's an old, run-down, gross house that nobody would ever want to live in, and somebody says, I'll buy it. <laughs> and you're thinking, what? Why would you buy that piece of junk, right? Harvey knows why, because someone like him knows how to fix it, right? And that's exactly what they intend to do. They intend to return that, that house, which is now old and decrepit and dying down, to its former glory. And usually, if you've noticed in these shows, because they got a lot of bucks behind these shows, they're usually returning them to even better than their former glory, right? I mean, they're making vast improvements upon these homes as well. They're not just making them like they used to be. So you understand that uh, understanding the concept of redemption and restoration, like we've been talking about last week and this week, can be a difficult task because from our earthly perspective, it, it might seem strange that God does not simply save us or redeem us and then bring us straight to heaven. Why should I go on suffering on earth when I have a future in heaven, right? Well, this concept reminds me of those home improvement shows because our salvation is similar to the restoration process of an old piece of furniture. But follow me on this, okay? So this old house has been purchased, right? It was purchased by a new owner and in this house they find a majestic fireplace. 
All right. Now, it's not a fireplace, though, that you would want to use right now because it hasn't been cleaned in a while. If you did, your whole house would fill with smoke. The bricks are falling off of the facade. The mantle is broken in half, right? Um, and, and maybe even if you, if you think, well, I could just clean up the, 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 the facade and, the, and the, the opening right here, it'll work. You look inside and you see that, I mean, it has years and years of decay and dust. And you think, if I light a fire in here, I might burn a hole right through the ground, right? So this is going to take some serious work. The fireplace, though, now has a new owner, right? The old owner is the one who let the fireplace get to the to condition that it's in now. The new owner, though, has a vision. The new owner has big plans for this fireplace's future. What are they? All of you, you know what you want to do, right? I mean, let's fix this thing up, tear everything out, get a, um, get a chimney sweep to come in and clean the whole thing, redo the mantle, redo the facade, re, uh, relay the brick, paint it white, or just leave it natural, whatever your feeling is on that. Get a couch, sit up next to it, start a fire, and watch the snow fall outside, right? That's the new owner. They got a vision for what the future of this fireplace is. You see, the fireplace is still the fireplace, right? It didn't change. What changed? The owner changed. And when the owner of the fireplace changes, it's not that the fireplace itself changes, but it's that the status of the fireplace has totally been renewed. This fireplace's status used to be unusable, broken, dead, you might say, out of service, right? But now it's got a new owner, and this new owner has a vision to bring this fireplace into new beginnings. And the, the new fireplace, or the, sorry, the same fireplace that will be made brand new is going to have a status. You're going to take away the under construction sign, and what are you going to put up? Enjoy the fire, right? Grab some hot cocoa, cuddle up with a loved one, and read a good book. <laughs> uh, church at home, everybody here is starting to sweat even more because uh, we're not sitting in AC right now. It's 95 degrees out here. Um, so I'll move on then. You get the point, right? The owner of the fireplace has changed, and so its status has changed because this new owner has vision. The redemption or restoration in your life and in mine happens in a very similar way. You know, you were created for God's glory to spend eternity in relationship with him, which will lead to your joy being complete forever. However, sin has interrupted this. Sin has broken it. It has killed you and it has left you under the uh, tyrannical reign of a sinful master. You are unkept. You are exposed to the elements. And when God redeems you, this is what he does, church. When God redeems you, he purchases you by the blood of Jesus on the cross. And after he purchases you, he prepares you for your future glory in the same way that a home improvement specialist purchases an old raggedy home and prepares it for its future glory. It is secure. That fireplace is owned by that owner, right? Nobody can change that. The fireplace stayed there. It just has new ownership and it has new glory awaiting it because the owner has a vision now. The final stage in the gospel work in your life, which we're talking about today, restoration, the, the, the stuff that occurs like that is just like this fireplace. In fact, you have been purchased. Your status has changed. 
And your new owner has a glorious future plan to restore you to your original intent and even better. Restoration is about a change in status, but we don't experience the fullness of the restoration immediately, and that is what Paul is talking about in our verses today. Look back again with me at verses one through three. Paul says, I mean that as an heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave. He's the owner of everything, but he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we as children were enslaved to the, element, to the elementary principles of this world. So the first thing I want us to see today, if you're taking notes with me, is that we were children in bondage. We were children in bondage. Maria and I, Maria, you and I talked about this a little bit um, on the on the bus stop, right? This week, talk about how we are all children of God. However, we have been placed under the bondage of sin. So even though we're children of God, what Paul's explaining it to is like an heir, okay? In the Roman Empire in those days, the way it worked was, if there was no heir, if I, if I was a man, I didn't have any heir to my throne, I would adopt an adult son. And that adult son would come in and they would, their status would change. They would be the son and the heir. They would be my new son and they would, have a, they would be an heir to all of my kingdom, right? What happens here is what Paul is saying, now, that's different than if somebody has a baby. Now, as a baby, right, my, my child, let's say Ezra, for instance, he's six years old. If I pass away, is he going to get all of the things that I have? Well, maybe one day, but, but he's got to be under the guidance of, under the management of an adult first, right? He has to be under the management and under the guidance of someone below me. And in those days, the Roman, the reason talking about slave language is because usually the children of a, of a wealthy person would be under the management of a slave or a servant. And Paul's saying here, their status, even though technically it's different, you have no right to those things. You're actually subservient to the one who is subservient to your father. <laughs> Almost a lower place. You understand that? So we were children in bondage. And spiritually speaking, Paul teaches us here that the same thing happens to our souls. That even though we are children of God, our Father, we are slaves to the elementary principles of this world because our master is sin. Our master is the law. So the law was put in place to be this master, to guide us much... Grab another mic. Okay, we're working on getting a new mic because this battery's dying. But church, thanks for hanging in there. Okay, let's keep going. The law was put in place to be our master, right? And the law is a strict and rigid master. The law is a strict and rigid master. It is as if our, our master doesn't even understand that we actually have a, a right to this, to this kingdom, right? So we were in children in bondage, but it doesn't stop there. Paul continues in verse four and five. He says in verse four, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So we were children in bondage, but then church number two, God redeemed, and we focused on that last week, right? God sent Jesus to redeem us and purchase us. He came in the person of Jesus to save us, and because of this salvation, we have a new status. This is the homeowner illustration. We have been purchased by someone new, and we have a new status. And then finally, in verse six and seven, we see that we are sons and heirs. So let's talk for just a minute about how this change in status 
changes so many things about us, right? So as followers of Jesus, it changes our motivation and it changes our destination. As, as, a, as someone who is under the influence of the law, our motivation is obedience, right? We are trying to obey our way into right relationship. In fact, the only way to maintain a right relationship, we think, is to obey, obey, obey. And our destination is what? Can we ever obey the law well enough? No way, right? Our destination is hell. It is eternal separation from God. Our motivation is to obey and our destination is eternal separation from God. What happens when our status changes from a slave to a son is we are transferred from our motivation being out of obedience and fear into our motivation being what? Love, right? Our motivation now is exactly what this goals, this goals series is talking about. Our motivation is out of the fact that Jesus loved us so much that he died for our sins. So when we see someone love us that much, we are motivated to respond to them out of love, not out of fear. And our destination changes as well, right? We have an eternal resting place in glory with God. So our, mo our, our change in status changes our motivation and our destination. We no longer, think of it like this, we no longer obey to earn, we obey to enjoy. So say this with me, say under new management. I took a while to get into the title of the sermon. That doesn't mean I'm just now starting, don't worry. But that's the title of the sermon today, Under New Management. Because when you become a follower of Jesus, you're under new management. Your status is changed. And when you're under new management, your new manager comes in, who is the Lord of your life. I'm not saying manager like a little M and downgrading God's lordship, all right? Jesus is still Lord. So don't go with that too far. But under this new manager, Jesus says, you can't obey enough to earn my love. You know why? I already gave it to you freely. There's nothing you could do even if you wanted to, but I want you to obey. Why? To enjoy my presence. I created you to be in relationship with me. So obey to enjoy, not to earn. This status also changes our nature. Listen to what Warren, Wiz Warren Wearsby says about this. He says, um, this is a scholar that I love to follow um, in my commentaries every week. He says, when we deny our nature as sons, we are giving our old nature the opportunity to go to work in us. When we deny our nature as sons, and how do we do that? By obeying to earn. When we begin to obey to earn, and we think, God, I've been obeying you. Why aren't you being good to me? That's a, that's a clear sign that you've been obeying to earn, right? Or if you say, God, you're being so bad to me. What can I do to, to, to make these things go away? That's a sign that you've, you've tapped back into that old nature and you've returned to it. And when that happens, we give our flesh, the sinful old nature, a chance to go to work in us. So when our status changes, it changes our nature, and we have to recognize that. So you just need to put in um, some indicators in your life. When I begin to love in order to try to earn God's love or obey to earn God's love, I want to be reminded of that so I can go back to the nature that I have been given. I am no longer a slave, and the song says it great, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. You ever wonder why so many songs um, put up against one another, slaves and children? 
It's because the scriptures do it. This is our status change. You have been moved from slave to son, and your old nature has passed away. Behold, live in that new nature. And finally, and this is the one that is usually on the forefront of our minds because of how much we think about money. The son is rich while the slave is poor. The son is rich and the slave is poor. The status that we have changed, changed our motivation, changes our destination, changes our nature, and it makes us rich when previously we were poor. A slave has no access to the master's things, right? However, we see clearly throughout scripture that the children of God have access to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And they don't happen because of us. Sayla's walking up here. She wants to come say hi to everybody in church at home. <laughs> These things don't happen because of things that we did. In fact, that is the point of the redemption from last week. It's that the redemption happened because of Jesus' work and the restoration begins with our adoption, this change in status. So church, I want to ask you, as a fireplace, who's your owner? You have a new owner? Do you have an owner that has come in and said, you know what? I'm going to buy this property, and instead of just leaving it like it is, I'm going to restore it to what it was meant to be. I have a vision and a future. That new owner is God. If you do not have a new owner, I want to invite you today to follow the leadership of Jen and Maria and Harvey and step off that, le step off that uh, cliff and take a leap of faith and courage and trust in Jesus because Jesus is there waiting. His redemption is secure in his work on the cross. And I want to invite you to trust Jesus today. But church, we also have some next steps for those of us who are followers of Jesus, right? We need to look at our status. You need to, we all need to ask ourselves this question this week. Am I acting like a slave? How foolish would it be of us when we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus and we've been redeemed into this new status? How foolish of us is it to then act like a slave? So I want to invite you now, uh, even there on the comments, just to challenge yourself. Give a thumbs up or throw a, a heart emoji in there. Give yourself a challenge this week to look at the areas of your life, at your finances, at your relationships. Um, look at the relationship you have with your work or what about with your future Maybe it's hard for you to see the fact that God has uh, a beauty uh, in store for your future. You think there's no way there's ever going to be a fire in this heart again. In fact, it feels so dead and so dry or so wet, maybe, that, that I don't think wood could ever burn in my soul again. Church, I am here to declare, from, not from my lips, but from the word of God, that your status has changed. And with that change in status, status comes a brand new destination. And that destination is that the fire of the Holy Spirit will reign in your heart. I'll close with this. Verse 6 says that when we are adopted, we are given the Spirit of God. And it cries out, Abba. Father. You see, church, what we need to focus on in our new status is the fact that when we are not willing to yield to our new father, when we are ignoring our new status, or when we're returning to our old nature, 
The power of the Holy Spirit dwells, filling you up inside. And the power of the Holy Spirit is proclaiming with exclamation, Daddy, Father. As a follower of Jesus, what our responsibility is, is to yield to the Holy Spirit's voice, to listen to the Spirit when he speaks to us, and to understand that that cry that comes from within us, from the power of the Holy Spirit, is in itself a redeclaration of our status. A slave does not call the master daddy. And that's why Paul said it like this. Paul was speaking clearly to the church in Galatia. Listen, I know that there's people trying to put you back under the law, but you be reminded, not by me, I'm just Paul. Not by your fellow brothers and sisters. They're working on it too. Be reminded by the Holy Spirit. What does he say? Well, from within you, he cries out, Daddy, Father, the Holy Spirit is our reminder. And I want to encourage each of us this week to yield to the Holy Spirit as we push in to our relationship with God. Church, I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you have never been transferred from slave to son to follow Jesus, you can do this by um, praying and receiving Jesus. It's the question that I asked the baptism candidates a minute ago. Have you followed, declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you are following him as your Lord? If you would like to do that today, church, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Abba, Father, thank you for purchasing me by the blood of Jesus. I yield to you today. I turn from my sins and I trust in you. Thank you for changing my status. Give me a new motivation and a new destination for your glory and my good. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, we're gonna continue. Yeah, amen. We got some claps going on here in Backyard. As the, as the worship team comes, I wanna let you know, let you in on a little something. Um, sorry, Danny. This pool right here can get emptied and cleaned and we can refill it up next week. If there are some of you watching today at church at home or sitting here today in the yard and you're saying, my status has changed right now. I have just trusted in Jesus and I am no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. I wanna invite you to step out in faith in that first step of obedience and follow Jesus in believer's baptism. If you would like to get baptized, put it in the chat right there. Right now, we'll follow up on that later. I would like to get baptized next week or I have questions about baptism. You can write that. You could also shoot me a text or give me a call later on um, today or this week. We would love um, to see more people come and follow Jesus in believer's baptism. Church, let's keep at our goals. I've been journaling my prayer. I told you guys on Instagram the other day I had four out of five days. I got the other two, so I had six out of seven. Let us know how you're doing with your goals. I know some of you are trying to pray in different ways. Some of you are reading scripture in different ways. Um, let's keep setting our goals for our relationship with God, and, and next, next week we're gonna turn this toward our horizontal relationships. I'm excited to be with you then. Uh, Pastor Danny's actually gonna be preaching next week. We'll be here worshiping together. Uh, we love you, church, and we will see you soon. Let's continue to worship with our team now as we close. Good morning, Queen's Church. Uh, so good to be here with you guys, Danny and Summer. Uh, and uh, we just want to come to you this morning with some news that we have to share about some life updates 
uh, with our uh, just personal lives. Uh, in, in 2018, uh, March, we felt this uh, genuine, real call to be a part of this gospel center work that became Queen's Church. Uh, and it was just a time that we were in, serving a ministry in Texas and we left everything that was there uh, to come be a part of the work here. And uh, it's just been a remarkable, amazing journey. And uh, it's just been an amazing time to, to be able to see Queen's Church happen. You know, we felt God's call to come be a part of a, a church plant. Uh, and it was just a, a, just a wonderful time. Uh, and just over the past uh, couple of months, uh, we've kind of felt God stirring, uh, moving us in a different direction. And so uh, some, some sad news, uh, but some news that we want to share with you guys and also in celebration. Uh, we have felt God's call to move back to Texas, uh, and we are going to be part of a, a ministry work that's taking place there uh, at our home church, uh, BT Church. And so uh, first off, I just want to say uh, for, for me personally, and someone will share here in a second, uh, man, it's been such a joy to see the, the work of God uh, here in Woodside and throughout Queens, through Queens Church. Uh, and it's just remarkable that we even got to be a part of it. Uh, and man, it's just been so good. And so throughout this entire process, uh, the phrase that, that's kind of kept coming to my mind uh, is choosing obedience over opportunity. Uh, and so for us, this is not something that we sought out. We weren't sending our resume out to different places. We weren't trying to actively leave uh, the work that God was doing here. Uh, and so for us, you know, this wasn't an opportunity that we're looking after. This was something that we felt God genuinely uh, present before us. And after just lots of prayer and lots of talking with uh, family and friends, uh, we felt that uh, God was calling us in this, in this direction. Uh, so our desire is, is to always pursue obedience, and that's our desire for you as well as you pursue your relationship with God uh, individually uh, and as a church. And so, uh, man, I love you guys so much. Uh, I'll let Summer share for a minute. Yes, um, we definitely would have never dreamed of our time here being so short. Uh, we always told each other that we would be obedient to however long God had us here. and. We constantly had that mindset and that, that vision, thinking that we would be here 10, 15 years, um, not two. And so we, we do want to always live in obedience to the Lord and as hard as this is to leave. And uh, for me, just being a part of the Queen's Church family and we always will be a part of the Queen's Church family. We know that. Um, I love each and every one of you and just getting to serve alongside of you and uh, the bagels, the coffee, everything. Um, it's just been a joy to be here and live in the city with you. Um, yeah, we just love you so, so much. And uh, we're excited for where God is leading, but very sad to leave and to say goodbye. Yeah, and, and one of the kind of weird, cool things about uh, COVID church, right? Having church at home is that so much of church kind of was forced to go onto a digital platform. And so I know for us, we're always gonna be Queen Church biggest fans and we're gonna cheer you guys on from a distance, but we're also gonna find opportunities to be able to show up digitally, uh, whether it's popping in on a Zoom study or you know being able to preach over uh, a church at home session or those sort of things. Uh, and also, you know, our desire is to continue to find ways to physically serve Queen Church. And so I know uh, for us, one of our desires is to continue to lead mission trips and mission teams of people to come here uh, and serve throughout the summer times or whenever. Uh, and so, yeah, this is, uh, you know, definitely a, a physical goodbye, uh, but also not a spiritual goodbye that we're always going to be, uh, you know, fans and believers of Queen's Church uh, and find ways to pour into this church and, and different avenues. And so uh, we love you guys so much uh, and it's been a wonderful journey and uh, we'll see you all soon.